Welcome to episode 12 of Lil Muck, a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Oh, Tina, you know, we're all involved here in Broward County, so we just had a really exciting primary, and I'm yes. so excited that we have today on the show Harold Pryor Jr. Yes. So Harold served as an assistant state attorney with the Office of the State Attorney in uh, the 17th Judicial Circuit of Florida, which is in Broward County, prosecuting serious criminal offenses in the felony trial unit. He developed a reputation for being a tough, fair, and skilled trial lawyer. Harold was often lauded for his compassion for victims and his constant quest for truth and fairness through every stage of the prosecutorial process. Uh, Harold strongly believes that a prosecutor um, that as a prosecutor, securing guilty verdicts should never be a prosecutor's primary goal, but rather the pursuit of justice and truth throughout the process should be paramount. I love that so much. So Harold just won <laughs> the Democratic primary here in Broward County, which a little bit of background that's kind of exciting is that yes. we have had the same state attorney for 43 years, um, Mike Satz, who has decided to not run. And so what happened is we had a huge list of yes. candidates, which we were really lucky about quite frankly we had this really great list of candidates but Harold yep. Pryor won the primary which in Broward if you're a Dem going to November it's pretty much you've got it in the bag which is really exciting it's so, so exciting Harold thank you so much for being here why don't we start with you telling us why you decided to run for this seat well first of all Hillary Tina thank you so much for having me of uh, we're like full circle right now oh. I think this time last year, about a month after I announced, I think we did a live uh, broadcast on one of our live yes. recordings, and uh, I saw the video not too long ago, so it's crazy how things work, and how everything comes full circle. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and it was one of my favorite interviews, actually, and I'm Aww. not saying that. It was, one of, it was one of my favorite ones, because it was the first time when I got in the election where it was something where, where the interviewer was asking me a question about my family or, or mm. my interests and things that I was into. And although it was policy-focused and driven, um, it was the first time in the beginning of my election where someone was asking questions about me personally, about what I like, my interests, <laughs> and, and my family, which is really important to me. Oh. Um, so that that was great. That was great. But, you know, to answer the question, uh, why I got in the race was personal. It wasn't for political aspirations or, or anything like that. It was really... Um, truly personal on so many different levels. Um, we'll start with my background, where I came from. I grew up in a small town on the west coast of Florida, uh, near Tampa, and I'm a fifth generation Floridian. Um, and so there's been five generations of black men in my family, prior men, who've had to have that discussion with their sons on how do you interact with the police when, in fact, you do have that interaction with them. Mm-hmm. Because we all knew that it could be a matter of life or death. Mm-hmm. Um, but also from a personal standpoint, growing up in a rough neighborhood, having family members who were demonized and criminalized by a criminal justice system, um, who had mental health issues, drug addiction issues, and rather than get the help that they need, we saw a system that had a war on drugs, or I would say a war on mental health, and yeah. the fact that they were trying to help these people get the help they need. So I saw family members who uh, were demonized and criminalized, we saw their lives spiral downward. Uh, but also, I've been the victim of crime. I've had family members who were the victim of crime. I've had family members and close friends, two family members, who were murdered uh, mm. due to gun violence. 
And we saw a criminal justice system treat them less than because of the color of their skin, even as homicide victims. Wow, and yeah. so that had a profound effect on me. Uh, that was the reason why I wanted to become an attorney. That was the reason why I wanted to get in the criminal justice system uh, to change it. And so being fast forward to now, when Mike Sass decided, who is the current state attorney, who's been in office for 43 years, decided to not seek re-election, I decided to put my hat in the race because of what I was noticing what was going on in the country. We saw the uh, death of Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, George Floyd, mm. Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, mm. Sandra Bland. And mm. I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in a world where I'm doing well. I've, I've obtained my education. My wife and I are both attorneys. My wife is a talented attorney, probably the best attorney in our family. Um, <laughs> not probably she is. And um, <laughs> to, 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 to see that we're living in a point where we're living different lives than what we grew up, what we could conceive. My wife, an immigrant from Jamaica, and us being able to be first-time home buyers, to live in a nice neighborhood, to have our three-year-old son now, and we live in a comfortable situation, and us looking around at the world around us and saying, what are we doing to make the world better? Uh, that's why I decided to get in the race. So it was a combination of all those things, why I decided to throw my hat in the ring and, 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 and try to do this thing we call criminal justice reform. Mm. Ugh, I love that. So for the first time ever, the five constitutional seats may be filled by people of color and truly reflect the population of Broward, which is really exciting. What changes do you think could come because of this? Um, so many, there's so many things that, that could come with this. Um, I think we need more women. Uh, you know, there were, there were, there were, there were five constitutional officers. I think there was one for the foreman. Um, and I think in the future there will be more women. And I know a lot of us are committed to doing that. Um, and, and I definitely am. Um, but I think one of the things that brings is just a global perspective, a different perspective. Um, there's just this constant thing that, you know, qualifications and, 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 and diversity are mutual, mutually exclusive. They aren't mutually exclusive, right? Um, you can enrich uh, government. You can enrich governance and how we uh, deal with our citizens on a day-to-day when you have a diverse uh, leadership. Um, and I think in both the public defender's office, which will be ran by a black male, uh, the clerk's office by a black woman, state attorney's office office by a black man, and then also you look at the various other supervisor elections, uh, you can have a different perspective on how policies are implemented. Um, you're looking at it from a different angle, right? And it only helps everyone in society. It just doesn't benefit one segment of society. It benefits all of us because when we have elected officials that can diversify the um, agency, um, bring in more women, bring in more Hispanics, bring in more African-Americans, bring in more um, South Americans or, 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 or Caribbean Americans, what have you, um, more members from our LGBTQ plus community. Uh, whenever you do that, uh, it only makes government work better because mm-hmm. we're getting so many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that I want to highlight, that when you have constitutional officers that may make up one particular race, it doesn't just benefit that race. I think it benefits society as a whole. And if you notice that the majority, or you'll notice that whites and, and Hispanics and blacks, will notice that government works a little bit better because we're not looking at it from one perspective. We have a diverse perspective. And it actually makes government work better for everyone. Oh, that's it, it's so exciting 
It is. It's, it's so beyond yeah. exciting. I mean, that night watching the oh watching my God. those numbers come in that night and watching who was coming out as winners was just it was it was well f- because there were so many different people in the race, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Even in the supervisor yeah. elections race, we were like Joe Scott, okay, like it was just incredible to watch all of these different winners come through and it was amazing yes. to see that they were all people of color and it's like finally getting and I kind of feel this is how I feel too is like the tide is turning on who holds power in Broward and that's important too because when the same people hold yeah. power for a long time things don't nothing, change yeah, nothing gets done and <laughs> so. um especially in the state attorney's office. So we've talked about this before, but like having the same person at the helm for 43 years, the change in moving uh, forward and progressive policies, especially with social justice issues, it just doesn't happen. They hold on to, especially like drug cases are prosecuted in different ways than they should be. And so I know this is a really easy question for you, but like how important in the state attorney's office are, is your role going to be in, in racial and social justice in Broward County? I, I think the time is now. I, I think that's why I got that jump in the race because I saw an opportunity and, and I could see it boiling over, you know, years in advance. And, and, and I understood that it was going to be important that if we were going to effectuate the change, if we were going to be able to bring everyone to the table, to initiate criminal justice reform and ensure that, that, that the issues of race um, and in, inequality in the criminal justice system uh, be discussed fairly and openly and honestly, uh, we would need someone in that office that understood how the criminal justice system affects people of color, but not only people of color, but poor folk, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I truly believe that um, I'm the right person for that, given my perspective and experience dealing with the criminal justice system. And so I plan to play a prominent role to be out front and in center uh, when we're having these discussions because it's good when you can have someone that can articulate to the law enforcement um, how the community is feeling. But also it's equally important to be able to have someone in these positions, the sheriff and state attorney, who can then go back to these communities and communicate a perspective from law enforcement and be able to hold everyone accountable. And I think that's why this is important because we're in a situation where it could be a major, major, you know, racial, social justice explosion because we're not listening to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, there are valid points from both sides. There's valid points from law enforcement. And uh, I get that sometimes from my from members of my own community because, you know, some people haven't had the opportunity to sit down and look a law enforcement officer or, or police union uh, face to face and have these tough discussions and really hear their perspective, but hear from a, from, from a valid perspective. And so I think I provide that, that, that avenue. I, I provide that bridge who can listen to both sides, been a part of both sides, who can reach out and bring everyone together so you can figure out something that works for everyone. And I think that's where we're at now. This is the time where we need to have these discussions and we need responsible leaders who can, who can lead these discussions and, and, and have uh, or initiate reforms responsibly because it's one thing to say, okay, I want to reform the system. But then it's another thing to understand that there's a safety component to it. Um, at the end of the day, I'm swearing to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the state of Florida, which is inherently to keep our community safe. And so we have to do these reforms responsibly while not compromising the safety of our community. I love all of that. I, and I can't, I can't wait to see what you do. 
I have I have a question that's sort of on a federal level kind of question, because um, I, yeah. you know, I, I've often kind of think about the appointments that President Trump has been making. So yeah. what do you think about the long term effects of this Republican packed federal district judiciary can have, you know, on the country, on states overall? Do you think that there's going to be some lasting impact? Yeah, it, it, it's terrible. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I, I, I cringe when people say, well, you know, and it's been said oftentimes before, you know, oh, the president's not that powerful. They're not that important, you know. Um, they don't really dictate what happens to me on a local level. Well, I can give you classic examples, right? One, the recent death of uh, RBG, uh, mm-hmm. Ruth uh, Betty Ginsburg, uh, because that's an important function in judiciary. And two, look at the terrible response and the handling of COVID-19, the pandemic that we've been experiencing. Those are two classic examples um, of the importance of having um, a strong executive office or, or a responsible executive office, um, to be to, to be clear. Um, the judiciary appointments are very important because they're for life. An appointment for judge or federal judgeship, that's a life appointment. Um, you're on there until death or until you decide that you want to step down. And so if you look at the record number of judicial appointments, federal judicial appointments that um, President Donald Trey Trump has had, um, that could be crippling to several things. It could be uh, crippling to the rights, the uh, reproductive rights of women, mm-hmm. the right to choose, right? Um, it could have a profound effect on education. It could have a profound effect on um, health care in this country, on issues of health care. Uh, voting rights, uh, voter suppression, and, and fighting voter suppression cases. Uh, recently, what we've been uh, seeing with the amendment floor issues and the rights of returning citizens to actually have the rights restored to vote. Um, judicial appointments, uh, federal judges play an important role in how federal policies and even state policies are interpreted and how they're uh, and how they're enforced. And so. We have to pay particularly close to this election. This election matters a lot because, mm. when, like I said, if, if you care about immigration, this is election for you because judiciary could could decide on issues regarding immigration issues or comprehensive immigration issues. If you care about education, the judiciary and legislative branch plays an important role in having a strong or, or, or an executive office that, that, that aligns with our, our policy goals and our policy beliefs is important. Um, if you care about criminal justice reform, this election is particularly important. Um, so uh, it is important that we get the right uh, president in office. It's important that we get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the White House because um, they could potentially turn the tide in some of these judicial appointments. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because they're set already. Many of these uh, judicial appointments are in. And so they could change the course of how law and jurisprudence in this country is interpreted, and it could affect us for the next three to four generations because oh many gosh. judges can stay in office for 20, 30 years, 40 years. Ugh. And so um, that's why it's important that you, we have to have a, a, a Democratic executive branch because they make these appointments. And yeah. it's particularly troubling when you have Lindsey Graham who can, with no shame, Mm. can say a year ago or, or in the last election that uh, we should wait until the election before we actually decide on the Supreme Court justice. And 
we did, and then they were able to get their person in. And so now it looks like there may be a situation where we're going to have a new president. Um, now he's reneging. He's stepping back on that. It's just pathetic. And that's why this election is important. Horrible. And so that's why this election is so important, so crucial. Oh, it's weird because Tina and I are like obviously way too into politics, right? Like we're way into like right. it's ridiculous. <laughs> but at the same time, it's 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 there's there's it's a double edged sword. Like you you know too much, and it's painful to watch all of these things happening. On the other side, um, it's exciting to watch things like this. Like it's yeah. exciting to see what's going to happen. I just wonder why more people don't feel this way, right? Like yeah. it's, it affects right. every single aspect right. of our life. And like everything you just named, it touches every it's life, everything for every, yeah, person. it touches every person. And like, how are more people not excited? Like I can understand that we don't have like, I, here, here, here's the thing. President Obama was so exciting and like, so charismatic and fun and brilliant. And like, just such a wonderful president. I feel like we're spoiled now. So like every nominee yeah. after that, but like, but, but Trump's in the white house. So I mean, we have to get excited. Well, I know, but he's the antithesis of, <laughs> right. of everything. So like how, how yeah. can we get it so that it's more people are, are engaged? Like, I feel like people get engaged when terrible things happen and like, when terrible things happen. Right. You know, yeah. they should be, I guess, cause people aren't like excited about, you know, roads or, you know, or maybe they just don't realize how much, everything they do is tied to who they elect. Right. Like, really on a local yeah. level. Yeah. But especially, yeah, like, it's true. especially like right now during school, like how are the schools going to handle COVID? How are the schools like you should, this is all about the money that goes to schools. Like if you, who did you vote for then? Like, do they support schools? Like all of that stuff really matters all the time. Um, I'm just, I just really hope that there's a good turnout come November so that we can see some change because it's really scary, especially with the path, passing of uh, Justice Ginsburg. Like, I don't know what happens next. And I don't think that like when we can say you're, you're a hypocrite, it like goes, falls right off. They don't yeah. give it. They don't care about that at all. They don't care. No. They've proven that. They've, they've proven that time and time again that yeah. they could give a damn. Yeah. About ethics or, 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 or being true to one's word or your word meaning anything. Right. Um, we, we know that's going out the door. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it it's sad. It's particularly sad how um, the growing citizenship in the country is just grown up, just politically apathetic as yeah. to the p- p- political process. And, um, it, it, it's sad and unfortunate that there has to be a tragedy or, some form of a major occurrence for people don't want to pay attention to what's going on. Um, and I think, I think it's changing. Um, I'm noticing that a lot more of the younger demographics, uh, my age groups, uh, we're becoming a lot more politically involved because I think we're seeing uh, how the system can affect many of us or some of our friends, people that we went to school with or people that we work with. And, and, and I'm starting to see a change and, and I hope it sticks. Um, but, you know, it's always been that case in the United States. I mean, if you look at other countries, right. South America, Europe, their general citizenship, they are politically engaged. They're yeah. politically involved. I mean, they'll go out in the streets and, and, and protest right. if, if something's not going right with the local ordinance or something, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think also it goes to the culture. I mean, some of these countries, you know, voting is a national holiday. You know, that's, right. you know there's nothing going on but voting that day. Um and but this country it seems we have so many roadblocks to someone yeah. um, being able to vote. Uh, you know, I could point to my parents. I remember, 
you know, my dad would have to take, you know, he would have to use his lunch break or mm-hmm. he'd have to, you know, ask for an extra, you know, 30 minutes so he could factor in the time to go vote. Um, same with my mother. Um, you know, the, and that's a common thing, you know, people having to rearrange their schedules to vote when, quite frankly, I think it's a right. It should be a right. Yes. It's a privilege, but I, I truly believe it should be a right, especially if you're part of this uh, democracy. And so, um, also, it goes to the laws. I, I really mm. think that we should make voting a national holiday. Um, I think it should be, you know, one of those days where people can take off and you can use that day to celebrate and, and <laughs> exercise the right to vote, you know. Um, go vote and then go have a drink or something yes. after. Yes. <laughs> go to the beach. I don't care. Have a barbecue, right. Yeah, I don't right. Care. Just make sure you go vote. Yes. Yeah. So how, let me ask you this uh, too. How, how much easier would your job be uh, when you're elected the, the Broward County state attorney, if you had um, a, a democratic house or Senate in the state of Florida, like how important oh, it is, are wow. these state seats for your, your job moving forward? Because there's some great seats that can be flipped yes. this year and it would be nice. And you know, if your job yeah. was a little bit easier, right? Yes, It is true. And that's a great question because a major function of my job is dealing with the budget and, and, and being able to have enough money to do what we need to do to initiate some of these reforms or, or do things responsibly. And uh, my good friend, uh, House Leader for Democratic Party, Bobby DeBose, co-house leader, mm. he's working hard right now. He's driving throughout the state, raising That's right. money That's uh, right. for some of these seats, uh, crucial seats around the state um, to turn um, the House uh, blue. And, and they're getting close every year, every election yes. year. Um, they're inching closer and closer. And, and, and it's important because a lot of the decisions are being made by um, conservative Republicans who are law and order, traditional law and order yeah. um, politicians. And so when they allocate funds, they want to allocate funds for you to um, go hard on, 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 you know, the failed war on drugs, um, to mm. be harsh on certain demographics. Um, and they're not looking at it from a different perspective in that um, there are certain crimes that we need to focus on more so than low-level drug offenses and we need more funds to help our problem solving and therapeutic courts regarding mental health and drug addiction and also eradicating the school to prison pipeline. It is important that we have a legislature that's willing to allocate funds towards these uh, type of programs because what we notice is they'll allocate funds for law enforcement. They'll allocate funds for the fight against drugs and, and the fight against other crimes, which is important. Uh, but they will very rarely allocate enough funds budget um in the budget excuse me to deal with mental health and drug addiction issues which really quite frankly creates a log jam in the criminal justice system mm. um because we can't we can't focus on those serious crimes that they're allocating funds for because we have a backlog of so many cases with people who are dealing with drug addiction issues and have mental health issues mm. and so it's it's important that we have a legislature that understands that and I, and quite frankly, I think it's important. That's why we need to turn the house blue in Florida. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, it, it would be. I don't even know what I would do. It's. I feel like it's more for me because I live here. You know, you have a family here. Yes. Tina does. I do. We all have children here. Like it's important for the three of us too because we have children who, unless we escape, are going to be growing up in the state. Yes. <laughs> like, are going to be yeah. affected by these laws forever. Yes. And you're right. They're chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping we talked about this today, Tina and I, but I'm hoping by the, at least this or the next, you know, the next midterm, 
one of these houses will be flipped because we have to actually stop. I don't know if we can get the governor's mansion. It would be nice, but we have to stop one of these I mean, houses. We've had the governor's mansions, mansion before. But it was, I, long, I feel like, it was like 20 years ago. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, I still have hope like that we can keep oh, that we can get forward, it. Yeah, that yeah, we yeah, can yeah. get it, that we can you know, energize people. Yeah, yeah. we can. There, there are a lot. There are a lot of seats out there. Um, and even on in the northern part of Florida that mm-hmm. that are you know, you know they're inching closer and closer to become a lot more progressive. Um, and and we have real shots. We have legitimate shots at some of these seats. And it's just a matter of us getting money and resources behind these candidates, these like-minded candidates, mm-hmm. and and they're doing a good job. You know, Representative Debose and his leadership team, they're doing a really good job of raising money and and putting support behind some of these candidates and. We're going to see the fruits of their labor. I think we're going to see some significant gains in November. Amazing. Well, Harold, we, uh, you know, I can't tell you how proud that Tina and I at yes. least are of you. We're so excited that you won this primary. And, yeah. oh, my God, I, I cannot so, wait. To, so, so incredible. Yeah, I can't so wait incredible. to call you state attorney. Like, I this know. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. What what a shift in, in, in the way this, this, this office is going to run. I'm uh, so excited yeah, for I you. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I just, I like I said before, I really can't see what you do with it, and it's it's incredible, and we are so lucky. Yes, and we appreciate you taking you. your Sunday with your family. Uh, please go back to spending time with your beautiful wife and your son. Um, I really, it means a lot to us that you would take time to, to get onto this little tiny show with us. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much. And if any of your listeners, they want to know more about me, learn how they can join the movement, uh, donate. Uh, please check out my website. It's heraldprior.com. I'm on Twitter. It's prior2020. And I'm also on Instagram, uh, HP for state attorney. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. And uh, we will, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you in November and say yes. congratulations. Yes. We'll make it, we'll make it a date, ladies. All we'll right. Awesome. We'll, Yay. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> I love it. All right. All right. Have, thank you. Bye. All right. Thank you guys. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.